Blog Talk Radio. I've got a deeper love, a deeper love, a deeper love inside, and I call it pride, a deeper love, pride, a deeper love, pride, a deeper love.
evening, everyone, and welcome to The Recovery Corner. I am your host, Tanya Wilson, also known as Authoress Tanya Wilson, author of the book, The Time Is Now. The Recovery Corner is proudly brought to you by The Literary Corner. We also provide a diverse platform to bring awareness to socioeconomic issues within our community, Christian values, promotion of small businesses, and support of nonprofit organizations. Our partnering NOP, the Theodore House, provides invaluable services for people who suffer with addictions, mental health, homelessness, and HIV. For information, please contact Ms. Tamika Randall at www.theodorehouse.org. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. So right in the building, House of Stone by Coco. I'm going to show you. She's going to show you. We're going to show you how we do this, huh? What? Yo, this bling be the illest. Coco House of Stone got a feeling. Step up in the room. Royal like a queen. Rockin' House of Stone, girl, you know you reign supreme. Red carpet jewels, finest of quality. Necklace so reckless. I know you seen the rosary designer for celebrity. Pieces on the runway. Tracy Lynn was so back when you gotta grow up someday. Big girl accessories. Always on fleek. Not the average, but the baddest chick. The ones who like to be unique. We don't follow the crowd. We set the trends. Other fashions bow down. House of Stone will never be. My bad, with this commercial interrupt, I'm just trying to be your friend, help you step your game up. When you put on House of Stone, get ready for your close-up. Trendsetters, go get his ladies in the know. House of Stone stands alone, I just thought I'd let you know. I think I said too much, you need to catch your breath, nobody does it better. Yo, House of Stone is the best, this is the soul writer. And I'm here with my girl Coco, House of Stone by Coco, that is. She's got the flyest bling on the planet, yo, she kicking down doors. In magazines, on the runway, celebrity jewelry designer, and I'm trying to put you down with game. On Facebook, House of Stone by Coco. Instagram, House of Stone by Coco. Twitter, House of Stone by Coco. Yo, it's real easy. And if you're really trying to holler at my girl, then holler at your girl, the soul writer, and I'll put you in direct contact with none other than the lady herself. Now, when you step outside, your fashion needs to be standing on a firm foundation, and it gets no firmer than the house that Coco built. Yo, check it. I'm going to show you, huh? She's going to show you what? We're going to show you how we do this, huh? What? House of Stone by Coco. It doesn't get any better than the best. <laughs> Welcome back to the Recovery Corner. I am your host, authoress Tanya Wilson. My guest for this evening is Bryant Bayless, founder of Ascent. Bryant started his career in public accounting and worked for a large regional accounting firm in tax and IRS audit support. He started his own consulting firm in the early 90s and focused on early-stage private equity. Brian is in recovery and suffers from depression and alcoholism. Intensive outpatient treatment, national completion rates are 
six of seven people in one of Brian's aftercare programs relapsed in the first 90 days. Brian thought there had to be a better way. After witnessing and experiencing a huge gap in treatment, such as continuing care, he founded Ascent. The Ascent concept combines the power of mobile technology with the human touch of a peer recovery coach. Brian has partnered with and retained consultants with a history of success in the recovery field and partnered with a mobile app developer that has documented outcomes related to their recovery app. He believes the Ascent service will provide a platform to keep people in recovery. It will keep them connected, hopeful, and give them the ability to live a more meaningful life. After all, recovery is for a lifetime. Brian is married with three grown children and one grandchild. He enjoys working out and watching his beloved Buckeyes football team. And ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you Brian Bayless. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Brian, for joining us on the Recovery Corner this evening to share your story with us. Now, my first question I have for you is, what was it like for you growing up as a child? I grew up in a very middle-class family, um, had everything mm-hmm. I needed. Um, we uh, we were taught that uh, if you don't talk about your problems, they don't exist. So that's how right. I grew up. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, <clears throat> I had my uh, my first drink at age 12, which wow. I still can remember. Twelve. Okay. can remember taste, and smell. Mm. Wow. At 12 years old? So did would you say that that was a normal thing that went on in your life or as the, you know, alcohol, drinking alcohol? Because I know I started drinking when I was 13. Well, I started at 12. Um, I had my first implications at age 13. Mm. Um, I had my first blackout at age 16, and I was wow. um, quite the drinker, quite the drinker okay. in high school. Mm. Okay. So my friends were, um, most of my friends were doing drugs, and I was drinking uh, a lot of alcohol. I was drinking alcoholically um, in high school. Wow. Okay. In high school. So how did that affect your um, your school, your your performance in school? Well, I, I didn't have a very good performance in school. Uh, I didn't, uh, I wasn't real focused. It wasn't a real priority to me. Um, you know, having a good time was was my priority. So somehow I uh, I barely limped through high school and, and mm-hmm. was able to uh, to get into college. Okay. So did, at the time that you started drinking, did your parents know that you were drinking at the time? Or they did. It was, you know, it was a little bit promoted. Uh, they didn't okay. know the extent that I was drinking, but right, right. They didn't. Uh, they they certainly didn't tell me not to have a drink. Okay. 
So who who were your role models when you were growing up? My uh my father mm-hmm. uh, was a role model. My uh basketball coach was a, a big role model. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you played basketball in high school? I did. I did. Okay. So those were my those were my role models. Okay. So now when did you realize that your drinking was becoming a problem for you? Or did you realize that, you know, that you needed help? I didn't uh, realize that I needed help, but I, I started to have more implications when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a lot of fights, got in a lot of fights. Uh, okay. um, so it, uh, you know, I was never arrested. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not sure how. Okay. But um, I did get stopped by the police a few times, but I was not driving. I was just walking. Um, but I was clearly publicly intoxicated. But <laughs> somehow I kind of huh? <laughs> somehow I, uh, I I kind of got through. I made it through. Okay. But a lot of blackouts so, and and mm-hmm. a lot of fights. A lot of blackouts. Mm, okay. So how tell me how you started your career in in accounting? Did you go to college for that particular? I did. I, I went to um, Ohio State. And graduated in four years with a uh, degree in accounting and finance. Um, My father had an accounting firm, so I just took the easy way out. I'd never interviewed with anybody else and just went uh, to work for his firm. So so you stayed within uh, the family, you know. Right, right. I stayed within the family firm. It was um, a wonderful experience. I learned a lot. Um, I enjoyed tax. I enjoyed working with Internal Revenue Service. Um, it was uh, it was a, a fantastic experience. Um, but the firm got sold to a larger firm, and it was just I was uh, fairly entrepreneurial, so it was time for me to uh, oh, okay. to make a change after 12 years. So that's when you you know started your own firm. Then I started the Bayless Group, which is my uh, consulting firm. Okay. Started that back in uh, 1993. Okay. Hmm. So, can you tell me about where, where, why were you? Do you know why you were suffering from depression? Well, the depression didn't really hit until I was in my 40s. Oh wow! Um, you know, I was kind of, uh, uh, you know, drink a lot, um, life of the party. Uh, okay. You know, a little bit. Uh, Egotistical. I mean, I was pretty mm. out there, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I thought I was a lot funnier than I actually was. But that's what you know the alcohol does. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, you know, life was okay. I had, um, you know, I got married very young, uh, had mm-hmm. children very young, and uh, you know, had some pressures, but nothing, nothing severe until I hit mm-hmm. hit forty. But at, right. at forty, you know, I. I then I got a lot of life and uh, right. a lot of challenges that I didn't didn't have tools to to deal with. Mm-hmm. So that's when I really, you know, really turned up my drinking. Wow. So when was it that you decided that you were going to get help? Well, I was uh, I was drinking quite a bit 
And, um, you know, as the pressures got heavier and heavier, I, um, I started to sneak my drinking because, you know, my wife was getting aggravated and it was much easier to hide it. So I, I hid it in my car, I hid it in my trunk, mm-hmm. I hid it under my seats. Um, I'd go out during the day and get it. And right. uh, after, you know, quite a while, um, one day I decided I wasn't going to go to work, which I'd never done before. Oh, and went wow. around uh, oh. drinking uh, the whole day right. and received a phone call, shut off my cell phone, phone call from my son. And he said, when mm-hmm. are you coming home? And I, I wasn't really planning on coming home, but I did. And okay. I took the rest of the bottle that I was drinking all day and threw it in a dumpster and drove home. And my children were waiting in the kitchen, and they had an intervention with me. Um, oh, wow. And so I uh, agreed. Um, first, I, you know, they said, you have a problem. And I said, no, I don't. But what I didn't realize well, yeah. is my son caught me. My son caught me pulling a half gallon of vodka out of my trunk and drinking it in my back seat. Oh, and, uh <laughs> Pardon? I say he caught you? He caught me. I didn't know he caught me, but he saw me. Wow. And so they confronted me, and we, uh, you know, we had a discussion, and I was pretty emotional about it, which I'm not an emotional guy. And uh, I agreed that I would do something, but I didn't really want to do something, but it was just to get him off my back. Right. And uh, a couple weeks, I talked to a, a friend who I knew was in the program, and I didn't really have any intention to go in the program, but I talked to him so I could tell my children and my wife I talked to him. Right. And finally, after another couple of weeks, I agreed reluctantly to go to a, my first AA meeting. Okay. And uh, I knew that first day that I was not one of them and <laughs> that th- this was yeah. not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I continued to drink. I just hit it better and <laughs> was in and out of the room for about, 10 months. Right. Um, okay. Everybody, most other people in the room were happy and smiling. I was miserable, but mm. I was still smarter than everybody else in there. Right. And and so, you know, then I decided, you know, after 10 months, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, so I mm. semi-bought into the, the AA concept. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what were your, what were some of your what were some of your greatest fears during the time that you were drinking? Um, fear of failure, fear mm-hmm. of economic insecurity, mm-hmm. um, fear of uh, losing my social standing. Mm-hmm. Those were okay. those were my fears. Okay. So did you um, go to a like an inpatient treatment program, like a rehab? Uh, I went to a uh, a, a program uh, in Tennessee for mm-hmm. uh, for five days. It was it wasn't really all about substance use. It was you know about life in general. Um, mm-hmm. But it was a, it was an excellent program. I did that, and that was that was the extent of what I did. So that was for five days was for five days. So that was that more like a like a detox facility? It was that? not detox, no. No. No, they didn't was, um, detox. Mm. No, it was it was called experiential therapy. 
Okay. Um, and fascinating process, and I thought it was a, mm-hmm. you know, a valuable, a valuable mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. So, okay, after you did the five days in Tennessee, did you continue to drink after that? No, I uh, I was in AA for, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't really doing the program. I was doing okay. my own AA program. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I would say that. I'll maybe skip steps three and six and seven. Um, and, you know, unfortunately that uh, that didn't work for me. So I was really, for a period of six years, I was nothing more than a dry drunk. I wasn't living okay. an honest program. Um, and, you know, finally, finally set myself up for a relapse. Wow. So for six years, you were you were six, um, sober for six years? I was sober for six years. I would, you know, make my comments in the meetings, but I, I knew I wasn't living right. living a real program. Because relapse, you know, would you say relapse starts in the mind first? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, relapse isn't the moment you pick up that drink. You set yourself right. up for that uh Long time before. Right. Mhm. So, you know, can you tell me what what is your take? I also talk about like mental health and on you know, and recovery also. Now, do you feel as though if people have mental health issues, that 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 it um, it plays a role in addiction? Huge role in addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, many people with, uh, you know, that have co-occurring disorders, right. there are so many people in the mental health courts, um, it's mm-hmm. well over 50% that have substance use issues as well. Right. And that was my right. situation. You know, it yeah. was a, uh, <laughs> a combination of the depression mm-hmm. and, and alcoholism. Right. But it's, it's very, very prevalent. Yeah. Because I, I believe, because see, I had um, generalized anxiety disorder and I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And I th- like the drinking was probably a way for me to self-medicate, just like with depression. You know, right. people self-medicate, but the thing is, is alcohol is a depressant. So it's like whatever people do, drugs they're doing to, you know, self-medicate doesn't help the mental health issues that they're going through. It actually makes it worse. Much, much worse. But again, you know, for addicts, I'm speaking of myself, but mm-hmm. many other people I know, all we want to do is get out of ourselves. So we right. don't necessarily care what the other implications are. We mm-hmm. just want that short-term fix. We want to get rid of that pit in our stomach. Right. And so we don't care what the cost is. Mm-hmm. We just We just want to feel better for whatever short period of time it is, regardless of how bad we feel in the morning. Exactly. So basically, would you say you have to basically become sick and tired, like you said, of being sick and tired? Yeah, I mean, at some point you have to surrender. Right, that's what I did. No, I can't because I, well, I know for myself, I I went through a thing where I was, I had more of a, you know how people, they say they hit rock bottom, 
and it's like most of the like you know like they're homeless and this all this other stuff happens for me it was more like a spiritual rock bottom right you know right. and I, I look in the mirror and I'm like who is that person I don't know her you know because I went through like a two-month period where I was like a bench and it was like not like any other that I had been through you know I wasn't like for the first month I was functional. Second month, I was totally not functional, and that was like something new to me that I didn't recognize. And I was like, "This isn't me," you know. You right. know, you become right. functional. You can work, and you can do this, you do that, you take care mm-hmm. of your business, you do all that. And right. I knew that wasn't me, and it scared me. That actually scared me because I never yeah. had been like that before, and. You know, would you say, like, for me, as I got older, it the disease progresses as you get older, I believe. Well, it certainly did for me. Yeah. It certainly did for me. But I think that was a function of, you know, life circumstances. Mm-hmm. Well. Life circumstances, too. Right. Because when you're young, it's a little different. than when, you know, because I, I noticed, like, the older I was getting, the more I would drink. Right, I did the same. Like after the party, you like still before party. The party. Before, before the party. and after. <laughs> right. Before the party and after the party, you still partying. Absolutely. Everybody else is, you know, whatever, you know. See, some people, you know, they can do that. They can do the social drinking thing. For me. After, like, as I got older, I couldn't do just the social drinking. I used to be able to do that. But even though I wasn't, I would say as I got older, I wasn't an everyday drinker. But when I did, I didn't know when to stop. It took me a long time to figure out that it wasn't the last drink that was the problem. It's the first drink. Right. Mm, Exactly. Exactly. So, now, can you tell me a little bit, more about your the company that you founded, Accent, and what it's all about. Sure. So the the genesis of the Ascent solution was based on my experience in treatment. I was put into a partial hospitalization program for mm-hmm. co-occurring disorders, and there were seven other people in that room. And the only difference between me and those people was we might have been a little bit different socioeconomically. Right. And I had a, a hell of a lot more support than most of the people in that room. I mm. was very fortunate to have, you know, wonderful family and friends. Yeah. And the other people in that room had very, very little. But mm. those people, um, you know, I was in such depression, I could barely get my head off the table. And wow. those wonderful people helped to breathe, uh, breathe some hope into me. And all of a sudden I got my voice back and I started to sit up straighter and I started to get my confidence back. And unfortunately, uh, six of those seven people relapsed within 90 days. Mm. So uh, I, when I got out, I had some time on my hands because I wasn't ready to go back to work. And I did right. a lot of research. And mm-hmm. I found that relapse rates are 70 to 90% within the first year. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I learned is that there 
are not many quality aftercare programs. That's the real mm-hmm. gap in treatment. You know, people right. go away for 28, 30, 60, 90 yeah. days. That's not the answer. I mean, it, right. it may be part of the solution. But True. the real challenge days, is when yeah, you get out. 30 days, right. It's when you get out. What do you do when you get out? What do you do? But for and me, so, for me, I, I did the 28-day program, and then they put me in an outpatient, which I didn't. I went to a couple of times, and I stopped because it was so boring. It was like the teachers, like whatever, they weren't there. And I'm like, I can't do this. It's too boring. So what I wound up doing is I wound up, I knew, like, after a I was sober for about a year. I still felt a little off. And something to say, go look at your papers from rehab, you know, like, because I was like, why well, do it? I can't still, I can't sleep at night, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I, and something just told me, get up, go look at your papers, you know, and I and I found these papers, and one of them had a diagnosis on it of generalized anxiety disorder, and I said, well, is that what it is? That's what's wrong with me? And I thought, you know, all my life I've been thinking, oh, I just worry too much. I worry all the time about anything and everything. You know what I'm saying? But if you knew me as a person, you wouldn't think so because I was always, like, the coolest person in the room. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, when something happens, I'm always the one I like, do. to calm do. everybody else down. You know what I'm saying? So what I did was, you know, I took those papers and I called the, you know, the, the closest mental health clinic, and I went in and I signed up for therapy. And that's the program that I work. I didn't go to, I went to maybe four meetings outside of rehab, you know, but it wasn't for me, you know. So the well, program I work you, and you, still work to the day is therapy. <laughs> and you, it worked for me because I was sober. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that, that you went to a IOP and they put you in an IOP. And mm-hmm. the, the challenge that you had was it was boring and you chose not to complete it. Right. Well, the national completion rates of intensive outpatient program are 30%. Mm-hmm. And that's the most prevalent uh, op- option for people as they get out of treatment. Mm-hmm. So if, we're only, if people are only completing 30% of the time, what's happening to those other people? You just don't have an opportunity. Right. And that's why develop the Ascent Solution. The Ascent Solution is a combination of an e-recovery tool. And the reason we use an e-recovery tool is where are people today? Where do people connect? They connect right. to their phones. So, That's uh, so there's true. a study done by Kleiner Perkins, a venture capital company. They said the average person looks at their phone 150 times a day. So mm. we want to keep people connected. And so right. we, we figure the best connection is the phone. But we also don't believe that um, technology alone is going to help mm-hmm. somebody recover. Mm-hmm. So what we've done is we've taken this proven e-recovery tool that was developed out of the University of Wisconsin with uh, huge grant money from the National Institute of Health, mm-hmm. and we combine that with virtual peer recovery coaching. Okay. So we have you know, good, live though. coaches. Pardon? Like counseling and stuff like that. These are uh, peers with three years of recovery, three years of sobriety, and we right. train them. They're not trained counselors, but mm-hmm. we train okay. them in terms of how to handle um, recovery situations and other situations. Mm-hmm. Because um, and, and we uh, train them also to handle 
you know, how to handle trauma situations. Right. And also, you know, when to be able to port the call somewhere else. If we mm. shouldn't be handling something because we're not therapists. Right. We know how to get resources, how to get those individuals mm-hmm. the resources and the help that they're going to need. Okay. That's so, you know, like to give a you a simple idea. example. <laughs> yeah. To give you, give you a simple example of how it works. Okay. Every day, um, we a, a survey will pop up on a question mm-hmm. pops up on your phone, and the mm-hmm. question is, do you think you can stay uh, clean today? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. If you answer no, you're going to get a phone call from one of our trained peer recovery wow. specialists. Your phone's going to ring. Okay. So you know, again, we we want to be good. there to support people, and mm-hmm. as, as as you know, there's a lot of people that are in recovery that have, you know, tremendous social anxiety, mm-hmm. they can't get to an AA meeting. Right. And some people, you know, are in settings that they can't make it to an AA meeting or they have family right. situations. This is right. an option. This is an alternative. Mm-hmm. That's so that's our program. Hmm. Hello? Uh, yes. Okay, I couldn't hear you for a second. So okay. basically, you know, all they have to do is, download the app and then like you say every day you post a question yeah once a week we post one question but once a week we post seven questions and we also have an initial intake questionnaire and the reason we have people fill out an initial intake questionnaire is so that we know who we're dealing with we know some of the challenges that people have Mm -hmm. so when we make that phone call it's not just a cold call. We have some idea. Right. It'll pop up on the screen. Oh, what's going on? Some of the challenges that that mm-hmm. individual has. Oh, great. Wow. So, so after you went through, did you go, so you said you relapsed after six I years. Did. So then right. when did you go back to treatment? I went to, um, I, I was in a couple of uh, treatments. I was in a, for a week in one program, and then I was in the partial hospitalization program for four okay. months. For four months. And that okay. was uh, that was an excellent uh, program for me. I, I learned quite a bit. And, you know, like you said, you went back to your your notes and your treatment. Well, I, I've done the same thing several right. times. Yeah, I had to because I, I didn't know what it was, but I do there. You know, going to therapy, which I still go to, because for me that's what works for me. And I've been sober for four years and ten months with no relapses. Like I didn't have any relapses at all. You know, not that's excellent. Because I had in my, I had already made up my mind that I was never going, you know, back to that again. Right. Right. You know, so. But it it worked. But I still, like I said, I still felt a little off even after a year of being sober. You know how you just don't feel right. Yes, so I do. <laughs> and through through and through therapy, I found out I had it basically all my life since I was a child. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So yes. Sure. It, it really helped me. You know, like it still helped me because I still go. You know. So that's what works for me. But, I mean, everything, 
you know, it's not for everybody. Some people, the meetings work for them. Right. You know, some That's people, right. you know, therapy, accent program. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. It's whatever works. If it works, keep doing it. Whatever's keeping right. you sober or clean. Well, I, or, and a lot of and, people and don't we, believe that alcohol we, is a drug. And it we is. completely support that. We we mm-hmm. support. I mean, the ascent program is agnostic. We don't tell people to go to AA. We don't tell people to go to Smart Recovery. We mm-hmm. you know we we don't tell people what to do. We guide them. Right. You know, they can you know tell us what their likes and dislikes are, and we try to help them to get an aftercare program that works for them. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I okay. learned in treatment is you know to develop an aftercare plan. Well, I have an aftercare plan. I follow it every day. I take mm-hmm. care of myself spiritually. I take care right. of my mental oh, health yeah. needs. I take care of my That's physical right. needs. Mm-hmm. I take care of my emotional needs, and I take care of my social mm-hmm. needs. And if I do that on a daily basis, yeah. I got a decent chance of being okay for the day. But that's that's what you have to do. You take you have to take care of your spiritual, mental, and physical health. Right. And you definitely have to have a strong. I believe you have to have a very strong support system. You have to have a very strong spiritual foundation. Agreed. I agree. So I think you know the accent program sounds like a great program because like you said most people are connected to their phones and that's so true that's a trick i mean the reason we want to keep people connected (laughs) the the longer they can stay we can keep them connected the better chance Mm -hmm. they're going to have at recovery you and i Mm -hmm. both know that when people start to isolate that's when oh that's that's the worst you don't want to you don't want to do that because that's isolation i did that I, I wouldn't. I isolated myself from people, you know, from people. So that wasn't good. I, that, I, that's something I never did before either, you know. When it, well, when it that gives us the opportunity. It, gives, it sets ourselves up to relapse, and so mm-hmm. you know, the the my recipe for relapse, which is a very common recipe, was isolation. Mm-hmm. Stop going to my meetings. Stop talking to my sponsor. You know that's mm-hmm. that's a recipe for relapse. Mhm. For me. Right. But see, everybody, like you say, everybody's different. What works for this person doesn't work for another person. But you got to do what works for you, and everybody knows themselves better than they. You know, they know what works for them. And once you couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree once more. You, but isolation. You know, find something that I, I don't works think isolation for you, is going to work for anybody. Isolation works for no one. When you're in right. recovery, it's something that you have to work on every day of your life. That's right. Because you're going to be in recovery for the rest of your life. Correct. Because if you can stay sober for six years and relapse, what does that tell you? You know what I'm saying? uh, It's something that you have to work on every day. The disease is always waiting for us. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, they say that. It's waiting for you. And I'm I'm glad that I went to rehab because I, myself, I learned a lot about the disease of addiction, things I didn't know. 
Right. I learned, I learned quite a, bit a too. lot. And I'm so happy that I, I went through that. And a lot of people, you know, that I was there with, they were like, oh, this is my sixth time being here. And I'm like looking at them like, really? I said, I ain't never coming back here <laughs> to myself, you know. Because I was, like, more quiet. I didn't talk much. I didn't even share. The whole time I was there, people were like, you got to talk. Yeah, I said, no, I'm listening. I'm just listening. And I learned a lot of stuff, <laughs> you know. So. Yeah, it is a great learning experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So what do, like, so so far the act the accent program that you have the accent app what what is yes. your success rate so far with the accent app app so the the ascent solution is um is new and, okay. and the ascent solution is the combination of the e recovery tool and the oh. um and the peer recovery support but the the h s app the app that we use has been uh, has been tested and it's mm. been documented. There was a, an article in the Journal of American Medicine Psychiatry in mm. 2014 that talked about research that was done with chronically alcoholic veterans. Mm. And it wasn't just the app itself. There was also medication-assisted treatment. But mm-hmm. the results were um, tremendous. And what, what the results mm-hmm. were is that hospitalizations, rehospitalizations of chronically alcoholic veterans were reduced by 70%. Wow. That's off the charts number. Yeah, it is wow. And so they have yeah. done a fabulous uh, job. Mm. So we are, there's a, a number of reports that talk about the benefits of peer recovery coaching. So mm. we believe the combination um, is going to just increase results um, and, and be that much better. Uh, the real challenge for us is, you know, finding quality recovery coaches. I mean, it's really, okay. really important. Yeah. We That's, really yeah, vet our coaches because, because, you know, this is, for some people, this is a matter of life and death. That oh, yeah. Putting that phone call. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, when we have somebody that wants to shoot up at 3 o'clock in the morning and they press the mm-hmm. emergency button, you know, we better be there and have Somebody the right got to be there. Stuff. That's right. Because you could be saving somebody's right. life. That's exactly right. Because you never know so, what... Going through people's so back mind. to you know specifically the documentation. There is mm-hmm. there are more than one study that's been done on the uh, HS uh, mm. app, the, the app that we've selected for our solution. Okay. Hello. Yes, I'm here. Yeah. Okay. So now you were talking about the HS app. The HS app is the the solution is the combination of our peer recovery coaching and the HS app. We license the app. Okay. And so that's the combination that we have. Mm-hmm. So can you um can you tell people how they can reach you on social media? Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Ascent dot org a s c e n t dot org is our website mm-hmm. and you can uh contact me through the info at ascent dot org mm-hmm. um, or you can reach me at b bayless at ascent dot org b b a i 
L-Y-S at ascent.org. And I'd be more than happy to answer any questions you have. Mm-hmm. So do you, I, I see that you also have a um, like a website where you sell T-shirts and stuff like that. We do, we do. Um, we have a saying: it's our number one core value in our company. It's mm-hmm. not work; it's life. Right. We really, you know, the, the the coaches that we have, and I've had the opportunity to meet with all of them, are absolutely terrific people who have been there, done that. And I think, you know, they want nothing more than to help people. And I think one of the one of the women uh, coaches made the best comment of all. Said somebody pulled me out of the gutter. Now it's my turn. Well, there and you go. Because so, you got you know, the best thing you can do in recovery is help somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. So we have a God very enthusiastic. God didn't spare your life. You know, just for you just to sit there. That's right. So again, they we all think it's not work, it's life. And that's that's, that's the motto. That's so true. So what what advice would you have for someone that's in active addiction? Don't isolate. Mm-hmm. Reach out. There are many opportunities to reach out and there are many people that are willing to help. Many wonderful people willing to help. Um, there are a lot of different programs that are available, um, but you gotta you gotta reach out. You gotta at least come halfway, not even halfway. If you just reach out a little bit, there's gonna be somebody yeah, there to somebody, help. You. Probably somebody there you. to help. Is it, and what would you say to somebody that's fearful? Because uh, a lot of people are ashamed or fearful of asking for help, or they feel like yeah. it's, it makes them look weak if they ask for help. But actually, it's the most courageous thing you can do. Yeah, I I used to run an eye program where I would take care of all my problems because that's how I learned. Um, and it didn't do me real well. What that did is it wound me up in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. So as, as difficult as that may be, and I can certainly appreciate it and understand it, um, it's, it's one area if you can somehow um, get out of that mm-hmm. comfort zone and and just reach out a little bit then somebody will be there to help you. And and it's very difficult. I don't mean to uh, to say that mm-hmm. it's not. I know that people right. with, with social anxiety mm-hmm. or some other issues, um, it's, oh, it's yeah. extremely difficult. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can pick up a telephone. You don't have to necessarily be in front of somebody. Um, again, right. if you just, you know, do a, a search on the Internet, you'll see there are mm-hmm. so many resources to be able to get that first first step, first piece of help right and what advice would you have for someone that's in recovery stick with it um, reach out uh, give back uh, continue to do the the things that you're doing that are successful and because life got better don't slow it down in fact mm-hmm. do more because what happens is sometimes we get comfortable and we think we've got it that's, oh, that's, the, really that's not the good. Uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> that's that's when you need to do more work. Exactly. When exactly. you start feeling too, you don't want to get too comfortable. 
No, never. No. You don't want to get too comfortable. So, so I you think also the other have a. Too, go ahead. The other thing is, you know, take a take a hard look at what you're grateful for. You know, we oh, yeah, we sometimes definitely. tend to take those things for granted, and if you mm-hmm. you know you sit down when you you think you might not have it so good, and you put together a list of the things that you you're grateful for, it might it might make you feel a little bit better. Oh yeah, because gratitude gratitude is what makes you go out there and help other people. Yes, that's what my gratitude does for me. You know, to help somebody else because I'm I'm. Great, very grateful. You know, and, and I believe like anybody that's in recovery, your gratitude is what should push you to help other people. I agree. You know, that's that's just my beliefs. It might be other people believe, but you know, I believe if you're in recovery, that you should help somebody else. Not just sit around, just going to meetings, to me, is not enough. you got to help somebody else. That's right. You can go sit in a meeting every day of the week and still not help nobody. Right. Right. You know? So, you know, that's just my belief that, you know, you should help somebody else. You know? Be a sponsor, like even if you're a sponsor, you know. Right. But everybody's not, you know, doesn't want to do that. You know, some people just want to go to the meet and go home. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. I but do. it's not really not like help somebody else. Even even if you had to go find others and take and take them if you if you drive and they don't drive, take them to a meeting with you. You know, sure. there's a lot of people out there don't have the means to get to the meeting. That's right. You know, that's that's a way of helping somebody. You know, so it's very. I think it's very important that you know you help other people. Yes, it is. That's what I believe. So, yeah, I, I see that you're also on YouTube. Uh, we are. We have, uh, <clears throat> we have a, uh, a video that we shot, an introductory okay. video, talking okay. about uh, the, the program. Okay. I'm going to try to post that up on the event page. I was trying to find it, and for some reason I couldn't find it, but I'm going to find it, and I'm going to post it up on the uh, Facebook event page, the YouTube video. I already have, Thank I you. think, the LinkedIn up there. And your yeah, we're Facebook on, page, we're on all the, the uh, social media, right? Sites, the LinkedIn, Twitter. yeah, Hootsuite. Yeah. I send you <laughs> Twitter, <laughs> Instagram. Right. Yeah, I found you. So, and it's also another. The, oh yeah, the Shopify or something is like where you sell the T-shirts. I'm going to find that yeah, that's and post that t-shirt. up there. You can buy also. them online. You can buy them on the site. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm going to find that site and I'm going to post. You know the YouTube and the, the um, where you can buy the T-shirts and everything. But also, can you get to the Shopify through your like you have a Facebook page that I have posted on the event page? Can you get to the Shopify through that? I I don't know. I don't know. Oh, okay. 
That's I'll our social media person. Anyway. Oh, oh, good. Okay, well, I'll find out if <laughs> I can get expert. to it through there, and I'll just pull it from there. I'll just pull it from there and, you know, just post up, like, the individual, like, the YouTube presentation and, you know, the uh, Shopify. So I'll, I will Thank do you. that. And so, so you're you're on t- Twitter, Instagram, yes, LinkedIn, All right? Okay, so you're on basically all social media, and you're also on Hootsuite. Are you on Periscope also? Yes. Okay, and so you're on uh, all those social media sites as just as a set. Uh, yes, that's correct. Okay, that's great. That's great. Okay. So can you tell me um, really quickly, because I know you have to go to a meeting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me real quickly what are some of your long-term goals and what are some of your sure. short-term goals? So um, the short-term goals are to continue to um, have people adopt this offering what we're doing is is different. It's unique. It's disruptive. We think it's mm-hmm. going to change, potentially change the industry. And okay. you know what we do is, and we're talking to a number of different people that are very interested in in our success. So, for example, um, prisons. I mean, can you imagine the people mm-hmm. being released from prison? have mm. this opportunity to stay connected. I mean, if we can keep somebody right. out of prison, you know, it's right. $31,000 a year. That's great, that's Yes. $31,000 a year, plus yeah. you know, the cost to our society for substance abuse is $417 billion a year. Mm-hmm. And so if we can, you know, keep people tethered, so treatment centers are interested mm-hmm. in what we do. The prisons are interested in right. what we do. State governments are interested. The yeah, payers. It's a very innovative idea. Are, I mean, like like you say, people are connected to their phone. Right. And and the and payers that's, are having genius. Such, such like problems. that's genius. <laughs> the idea so, is yeah. genius because technology. Well, well, right. And so mm-hmm. we the, the only thing smart we did was find the right partner. Uh, in well, that's, well, that's done important absolutely too. Terrific that's definitely job. important too. You know. They, so. They've done a terrific job, but but so from a long term perspective, I mean, our vision is, um, our mission is to help to reduce relapse rates and keep people in long term recovery. Our vision okay. is to become the most trusted, best in class brand of aftercare in the country, and that's okay. our goal. And we are talking to people all over the country right now mm. that have interest okay. in what we're doing and. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly want us to be successful because it's going to create not only success for our clients, but it's going to reduce costs. It, mm-hmm. it could potentially reduce health insurance costs dramatically. Oh yeah. Keep people yeah. from going back to treatment facilities. So mm-hmm. there's you know there's tremendous benefits um, for many mm-hmm. stakeholders of our uh, of our offer. Right. So basically, are um, you're looking for peer recovery coaches? We have uh, peer recovery coaches, but if somebody's interested in um, applying, they can go okay, on to the Ascent.org site. Okay. And, you know, we would be um, – we we would send those through to our uh, HR 
uh, people. So we're constantly okay. interviewing. Okay. And and we are so uh, could, planning so on doing a, a fair amount of hiring. So you so um and the way they can reach you if they want to be HR coach is through the website. Through accent. the website. Yes. Okay, accent.org. Uh, www.accent.org. Okay. Sounds great. Okay. Sounds great. So I'm going to um, get ready to wrap up this show because I know you have a meeting to go to, and I always end my show with the serenity <laughs> prayer. Okay. <laughs> and it goes, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Cover to change, change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking, as he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next amen. And I want to say thank you so much, Mr. Bryant. Bayless for joining us on the Recovery Corner Blog Talk Radio Show. Thank you very much. Thank Tanya. you so much for sharing your organization with us, Accent Organization. And I believe that you know it will, you know, is a very innovative. And I say I believe that you'll have a lot of success with this uh, program. So thank, thank you. you so much for sharing that with us this evening. And and we're going to say goodnight to everyone, and I'm going to go out with the House of Stone commercial. So on one, two, three, we can say goodnight to everyone, and thank you for joining us on the Recovery Corner Blog Talk Radio Show. Good night, everyone, and thank you so much, Brian, for joining us on the Recovery Corner Blog Talk Radio Show. So right in the building, House of Stone by Coco. I'ma show you, she gonna show you, we gonna show you how we do this, huh? What? Yo, this bling be the illest. Coco House of Stone got a feeling. Step up in the room, royal like a queen. Rockin' House of Stone, girl, you know you reign supreme. Red carpet jewels, finest of quality. Necklace so reckless, I know you've seen the rosary designer for celebrity. Pieces on the runway. Tracy Lynn was so back when you gotta grow up someday. Big girl accessories, always on fleek. Not the average, but the baddest chick. The ones who like to be unique. We don't follow the crowd. We set the trends. Other fashions bow down. House of Stone will never be. My bad, with this commercial interrupt, I'm just trying to be your friend, help you step your game up. When you put on House of Stone, get ready for your close-up. Trendsetters, go get his ladies in the know. House of Stone stands alone, I just thought I'd let you know. I think I said too much, you need to catch your breath, nobody does it better. Yo, House of Stone is the best, this is the soul writer. And I'm here with my girl Coco, House of Stone by Coco, that is. She's got the flyers bling on the planet, yo, she kicking down doors. In magazines, on the runway, celebrity jewelry designer. And I'm trying to put you down with game. On Facebook, House of Stone by Coco. Instagram, House of Stone by Coco. Twitter, House of Stone by Coco. 
Yo, it's real easy. And if you're really trying to holler at my girl, then holler at your girl, the Soul Writer. And I'll put you in direct contact with none other than the lady herself. Now, when you step outside, your fashion needs to be standing on a firm foundation. And it gets no firmer than the house that Coco built. Yo, check it. I'm going to show you, huh? She's going to show you what? We're going to show you how we do this, huh? What? House of Stone by Coco. It doesn't get any better than the best. <laughs> okay. Good night, Brian. Good night. Thank you so Thank much you for much. joining us. And good night, everyone, for joining us on the Recovery Corner Blog Talk Radio Show.